singing tonight, and it's been a long time since I've sung that song, and uh, that was a, a blessing. First Corinthians chapter nine, First Corinthians chapter number nine. I grew up in the sound and the shadows of the 500 racetrack uh, there in Indianapolis, and uh, I've told stories before about being able to stand out in the front yard of my mom and dad's house and being able to hear uh, the cars go around the track. And uh, I'm not a big car buff. I do enjoy uh, racing to some degree. We went over to the car show over here at Market Square uh, a week ago and saw some really, really nice cars. Uh, a couple of the boys got to sit in the 1960s uh, some, something Corvette. And uh, my dad loved car shows. My dad was a, a big car guy. And uh, he could just name off your make and model, um, just driving down the road or going to a car show. He just had it all. Um, and me, I, I just never really got into to cars all that much. But I have enjoyed uh, racing to some degree. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul deals with, with racing. Now, I've talked about motor car racing, but there's all kinds of different races. And in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul makes reference to running a race. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize. So in our theme for this year, 2022, we have been talking about, our theme has been our hope being in the Lord. And so in incorporating that theme into this passage, we're, we're uh, going to look at hope in the race. Now, I'm not a runner. Uh, I'm not uh, much of a, uh, of a person to just go out and enjoy training for a marathon. I have a friend who's training for a triathlon and he is uh, working on all the different uh, areas of that, and he'll post sometimes on social media some of his training, and I'm like, better you than me. Um, I like the sticker 0.0. .0. Um, some, some, people, some people put 13 point whatever or 26.2. Uh, I like 0.0, .0, but uh, I'll, I'll walk. I enjoy uh, a, good, a good walk, but uh, uh, though I enjoy watching racing, particularly motor, ra motor car racing, um, even to some degree, the Tour de France and, and uh, bicycle racing. Uh, there's, there's an enjoyment, there's a competition, there's a, a thrill to racing. But every person who is committed to a race has to have some hope, has to have some goal, has to have some desire upon finishing that race, right? There has to be something that keeps them going. Um, for, for some people, it's just beating a certain time or just completing uh, the race, uh, just being able to accomplish a, a, a certain uh, goal of personal, uh, uh, personal standard. Uh, there are others, they're in it for the money. Uh, they're very competitive, and they'll go around the world. And uh, there, uh, there were in Kenya, when I was on mission, uh, mission trips, uh, there were Kenyans, and we know a lot of the marathons, this, this fly is going to be uh, very annoying, I guess. <laughs> going to be going to be a little bit of a distraction. Sorry about that. But I, I remember the uh, the Kenyans, and you'll you'll find them winning a lot of the the marathons around the nation, even around the world. Well, the the missionaries told me that the the Kenyans would train. Many of them would train at Mount Kenya, and I remember driving with the missionaries uh, to a, a a safari park near Mount Kenya, and uh, them talking about the if, if we saw uh, people running on the side of the road, they very well could be athletes training for a particular marathon. And they would train on those uh, mountain roads, those mountain trails, going up 
the hill or up the mountain and back down um, because obviously they needed that training in order to, to build uh, their, their muscles and their lung capacity and all that was involved in, in ra racing in a marathon in a competitive way. But there, there has to be a goal in mind. There has to be a hope in finishing that there is an accomplishment of some kind. And Paul is, is referencing probably the Olympic Games or the Greek Games in 1 Corinthians 9. Because those would have already been in practice. Uh, the Greeks were a competitive people. And they had these uh, Greek Games. These, uh, I think even one of the names is the Isthmian, Isthmian Games. Uh, we now know uh, our modern Olympics. And uh, they started back in uh, the days of the Greek Empire. And so Paul is making reference to these types of Olympic-type games or uh, Greek games or whatever they were, were called where there were these races. And notice he says that, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. There has to be training. There has to be discipline. There has to be a goal in mind with discipline for that particular goal. They don't just wake up one morning and say, hmm, I'm going to run a marathon. Oh, I'm going to run a mini marathon, or I'm going to run a triathlon, or whatever it may be. You'd be a fool to just wake up one morning and then just try to run 26.2 miles, or 13 miles, or a 5K, or whatever it might be. It's something that takes discipline, it takes training, it takes practice, it takes effort, because there has to be uh, the, the muscle strength and lung capacity and the body has to be prepared to be able to run the race. So we see here in 1 Corinthians 9, we're going to see, first of all, that we have to run with purpose. We must run with purpose. And the ultimate purpose in running the Christian race, the race of the Christian life, that Paul is alluding to, that Paul's referencing here, he's using the, the Greek games, the Olympic games, the Isthmian games, he's using them as an analogy for the Christian life, for the race of the Christian life. Now we run, as we read there in verse 24, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Now, in a marathon, in a race of some kind, there is one who receives the prize. The gold medal, the silver medal, the bronze medal, who makes it on the, the podium. We as Christians, we're not running against each other, trying to knock each other out of the way, trying to beat each other in the sense that a regular competitive race would be run. We're not running to try to, in a way of envy or competition, to beat out the other person so that we can be the only one to win the gold medal of the Christian life. Paul is just simply saying that we all are in the, the race of life, the race of the Christian life as believers. And we know that in the life, or in, 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 a, in a race, there is a goal in mind, there is a prize in mind, and there is the gold medal, or there's the silver, the bronze, there's the, the, the wreath that they would uh, receive. Uh, in the Indianapolis 500, they receive a wreath, they receive milk, they get their um, face on the Borg Warner Trophy, and millions of dollars, and then advertisements, and on and on and on it goes. Well, one person gets to go into the winner's circle and to have all of that prize money to that level and all of the notoriety that goes with it. We as believers, each and every one of us, when running for the glory of God, can achieve the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 
well done, thou good and faithful servant. We're not running against each other. We're running the race that God has given us, and we're doing it for his glory. And we see that implied here in this passage in several different ways. Just within the context, we know that Paul is referring to the Christian life and running for the glory of God. He makes reference to the gospel back in verse 18. And that I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. So Paul is talking about his calling as a pastor, as a preacher, as a missionary, in the race that God has given him, the calling that God has given him. He is to fulfill that, to run that race, ultimately for God's glory. That the gospel be magnified, that Christ be glorified, that God be high and lifted up, that we point others to Christ and to who God is. So whatever your course is, whatever the race of your life is in the Christian life, whether uh, it be in a particular uh, area of work or service, whether it be a particular uh, set of gifts and talents and abilities, uh, you you may not have uh, a lot of the the visible, uh, showy type of gifts. You may have gifts that are uh, less visible, but still they are the, the gifts that God has given you, the abilities that God has given you. Whatever your course of life is, we're to run that race, we're to live out that course of life to God's glory, that he be lifted up, that our lives point others to Christ, that we be the salt and that we be the light, that we should be, that in all things God would receive the glory. And then we run this, this race of the Christian life to win the prize. Okay? What does that mean? I've already made mention of the fact that we all are after the same goal as believers or should be motivated by the love of Christ. He first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. We had a debt that we could not pay. He paid the debt for us that we owed. And now we're to live as living sacrifices We're to be living our life for the Lord, looking for that high calling of God in Christ Jesus, that well done and good, well done thou good and faithful servant. An athlete runs with a motivation to win, to get the prize, to beat the personal standard, whatever it may be. I'm a competitive person. I don't like to lose. I've learned how to lose because I've had to lose a lot in my life. I've been on some very bad teams, uh, but I'm also thankful I've had a, a few opportunities to, to be on some winning teams or to, or to help coach uh, a winning team. And uh, I've teased, I've, I've picked on Chandler a little bit um, in here before because in Little League, he won a championship almost every single year. And the first time he was on a team that came in second place, he was just totally distraught. He was just downhearted. He thought that he was supposed to win every single season. And uh, it, was a, it was a hard lesson in life when uh, his little league team didn't win the championship. But in a sense, in a sense, all of us as believers, each and every one of us, in a sense, can win the championship. In the sense that we all can be faithful in whatever it is that God has given us to do. And sometimes, I know it is for me as a, as a, as a preacher, as a pastor, I can get caught up with the, the social media and what some of my friends what kind of churches they're running and how many people they have, and on and on it goes. And uh, there's far better uh, preachers, far better speakers than me. 
and far better pastors than me. And I can get caught up in that envy. We have a social media crazed world where we're constantly comparing and we're constantly in a, a competitiveness with each other and who's getting to do what and, and, and who's uh, involved in this and who's getting to go here and do that and buying this and wearing this. And, and that, that can create an envy which can hurt us in our faithfulness for the Lord. This is what God has given me to do. This is what God has called me to do. I must be faithful in it. And sometimes we have to just remember to be faithful in the little things. As we're faithful in the little things, God will then open doors of opportunity for faithfulness in bigger things, in other things. And there's an accountability with that. But we all have the opportunity. We all, by the grace of God, can, in a sense, win the prize, win the championship. We all can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But as Joey even alluded to in his testimony, and Nate's about the 0 hundred or 100 zero, we have to depend upon the Lord in the race. We have to trust him. What does a, an athlete do who's prepared? There's probably a mindset. I've not run a marathon. I've not run a 5K. Uh, I've walked uh, some, uh, some long distances. But there is a mentality that has to come into play because the muscles start to hurt. Sometimes there's a cramp. Sometimes there's an obstacle. Sometimes there's something along the way that becomes difficult. Just like in life, we have trials, we have tribulations, we have times of suffering, we have up times and down times. We have to discipline our minds with our focus upon the glory of God and the faithfulness that God has commanded us to keep, to have. To do. And God is going to reward us for our stewardship. Is our stewardship the accountability for what God has given us that ultimately will be the determining the determination of our heavenly crown, our prizes, our rewards. And I've preached a whole message already on, on the hope of reward, and I won't go into to all that. But there is a running with purpose for the glory of God and to win the prize, to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servants. And God expects us to be faithful in whatever it is, wherever it is that he has put us. And then we also run with purpose because of the witnesses who have gone before us. Hebrews 11 speaks to a hall of faith or a chapter of faith, a hall of fame of faith and all the individuals. And then we get to Hebrews chapter 12 in verse number one. And there's a reference to a great cloud of witnesses. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Well, who are the witnesses? That's the people of Hebrews 11. And I don't believe that there are all of these saints who have gone before us in the glory. And they're up in the great grandstand of the sky. And they are up there with their, their foam fingers and their banners and their flags and their cheerleading squads, and they're up there in the great grandstand of the sky saying, you go, 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 go. I, I, don't, I don't think that that's the image that we're supposed to have as we're going through life. Again, I'm not trying to, 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 to offend anybody who is uh, near and dear to a loved one who's, who's, who's gone uh, on to heaven. And you'll hear people say, so-and-so is looking down from the sky upon me today. 
and, and I don't want to, again, I don't want to get, I don't want to offend anybody, but I, I don't think that they're up there like our guardian angel who now has their wings and they're following us around through life, cheering us on and looking down on us. And then every once in a while we get so close to them as they've gone on before us, they get, they get so close to us and us to them that we feel their presence. I, I think that we need to be careful that we don't get caught up in all of that. They're up there and they're praising the Lord. They're in the glories of heaven. And, it, and, and I don't know how much God reveals to them of what is going on here on the earth. I don't know. But they're, they're in the, the presence of God. They're, they're praising and worshiping the Lord. They're, they're in a, a glorious place. They have run their race. They have finished their course. Paul talks about finishing his course, fighting the, 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 the fight of faith, and, and having finished his course. And there is laid up for him a crown of glory. And he is saying in, 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 in Hebrews here, we, we know by the inspiration of God, the preservation of his word, that there are these examples there are these witnesses who witness to a life of faith, who give testimony to a life of faith. Last Sunday, we had the opportunity. I know they are, uh, they're, they're, the Spilgers are, 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 are here. They're not, uh, they've not gone on to heaven. Uh, but they had a powerful testimony in that film we watched last Sunday. They have set an example. They have shared a testimony, and as we read through Hebrews 11, we see these examples of faith, witnesses of faith, of faithfulness. And that's what we should pattern our life after. First of all, the greatest example being Jesus Christ. But there are godly men and women, faithful men and women, men and women of faith, who God has put as examples in our lives. And we're to follow them as they have followed Christ. I'm thankful. We've gotten cards in the mail over the last few weeks. Not just from many of you, but from people in our lives who we've known for many years, who have been faithful examples, who texted us and said, we're praying for you, who have sent emails saying, we're praying for you, who have posted messages saying, we're praying for you. I know for, for me as a young person growing up in church in a Christian home for which I am extremely thankful there are so many people through my life who I look at who have been examples, not perfect, but great examples of lives lived for the glory of God and of faithfulness. And God has given them even in his word. Not, not that any of these individuals in Hebrews 11 were perfect. Some of them had great failure. But there was a faithfulness to their life that is an example, that is a witness to us. So we run with purpose. And then we're to run well. We're to run well. Run with all that we have. We see there in uh, verse number, and I was in, I, I turned over to Hebrews chapter 11, and I need to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. So we see there in verse 25, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. The word striveth and then the word temperate. First of all, striveth. This has the idea of straining, pressing toward the mark. What does a runner do? I don't know if you've watched any of the Olympic Games and some of the, the sprints. If they slow it down, have you ever watched a slow motion? 
And, and it's, I, know it's, I know it can be kind of gross because there's sweat flying, you know, but their muscles are straining. You can see the outline of their muscles, especially like their, their calf muscles. They're, they're, they are straining with everything that they have, especially as they get down toward the end, toward the finish line. And if you've seen some of those great runners uh, through the years, like a Carl Lewis, uh, Usain Bolt, some of them, it's incredible the strain uh, that they go through. That is the idea here of this word, striveth. Everything, 100%. There are not very many Christians today that are giving 100% for the Lord. There, there are, and, and, and I, don't, I don't want to get overly negative about this at all, but I see on the news, I see unsaved, reprobate people who are giving more effort for their perverted cause in their protests, in their rallies, in their outspokenness for their... I see sometimes more commitment to sin and to perversion than I do from Christians in their commitment to Christ and for righteousness and for holiness. Paul says we have to strive it takes effort. It takes work. He says it takes work. He says temperance. Again, that's disciplined. There's that commitment. We've talked about it in, in our Sunday morning messages about the cost of discipleship, the marks of discipleship, and the continuing and the striving. And there's a discipline to the Christian life that we must have to be faithful, to run the race well. We have to get up in the morning, or we have to turn our TVs off, or one of the biggest distractions is our phones. We have 150 million web pages and articles and videos that we could watch that distract us. I think we're literally being dumbed down to little guinea pigs who have the attention span of a gnat. And if it doesn't come to us in the form of an eight-second video, then we can't handle it. I mean, I think that in some ways we're getting whittled down to that, okay? And I'm running on a little bit of a rabbit trail. But we'll be so distracted. What does the runner do? What does the runner do? The runner has their eye on the prize, the goal in mind. If a runner gets out of their lane, what happens? You ever seen a bunch of runners together? What happens with, a, with race cars on a track? I know it's fun. I know it's, it's for the fans when they do a red flag and then they start the race back up. And they did it at the Indy 500 this uh, past May, and they do it in the NASCAR races. And sometimes you'll see with runners, they get bunched up, and what happens? Somebody gets tangled up. Somebody gets off out of their lane, out of their line, gets up in the marbles, or steps on somebody else's foot, and there's a, there's a, a crash. There's a, there's a mess. And there's just a little bit of a distraction, just a little bit of getting off the lane, out of their lane. And there can be terrible consequences. And that's what Paul even references in uh, verse 25 as well, in this idea of being temperate. Not just running with all that we have, running with the right focus, but running within the rules. What happens when there's drugs involved? When there's PEDs? There was a huge controversy this last Summer Olympics about a particular ice skater and whether she was on PEDs, and what the judges were going to rule about her performance. And then 
there's all the scandals through the years. And now we have this ridiculous, crazy, perverted idea of men participating in women's sports, and so they have natural testosterone. I don't care how long they've been on hormones, they have natural testosterone and all the other qualities of a man to be able to outrun or outswim a, a woman. That 40 years ago, if you had those kinds of hormones in your system, you would have been disqualified from whatever the event was. Now, if you have natural hormones because you think that you're something that you're not, oh, you're allowed to participate, you know, and there's a whole controversy about that. The idea is don't cheat. And what happens to us as believers? We cheat sometimes. It's called sin. It's, it's, it's called trying to do things our way instead of doing things God's way and trying to run the race outside of the rules. And Paul says that he doesn't want to become disqualified in verse 27. He brings his body that God has given him, that is the temple of God, he brings it into subjection, lest that, when, lest that by any means when he has preached to others, I myself should be a castaway, disqualified. I heard a preacher one, one time say for, for a pastor, for a preacher, it's like having a pin and a balloon. And the balloon can get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But all it takes is one pin, one sin, and that balloon pops. And that, was a, that was a real reminder for me as a pastor, as a preacher. It can take one pointed sin in my life and it can disqualify me. That's a sobering thought. And we can become disqualified in a sense. I know Paul's speaking probably specifically to areas of ministry. But he's also saying to us as believers that we can become unfaithful and lose out on reward and lose out on testimony and negatively affect the cause of Christ by our sinful life, by our poor choices, by living for the world, by getting our focus in the wrong place by getting outside of the rules. And then I think it's obvious down in verse 27 as well, our body bringing into subjection, but then Hebrews 12 and verse number 1 speaks to laying aside every sin and the weights which so easily beset us. We don't, we don't see runners out there with their ankle weights on at the competition, right? We don't see the, the, the sprinters out there with uh, full sweatsuits, they take the hoodies off, they take the sweatpants, the athletic pants off, they wear the lightest shoes, I would imagine, the lightest type of material so that they can run without weights, without hindrance, without any kind of friction, without any kind of hindrance as they're going through uh, the air, that there's not any kind of wind resistance, air resistance. So again, we have to lay aside the sins as well as the weights, which are sometimes it's the good that gets in the way of the best. It's not that something is necessarily wrong in and of itself, but it is not what God would have for us. It's not the best thing. It's not what is truly God's will and what is his best for us. And we get weighted down by the things of this life. And then finally, we run, as we've already spent some time talking about, we run with patience, with endurance. Sometimes God calls, uh, calls us to hard times for a period of time. Sometimes God calls us to a new normal. 
God calls us to certain times of suffering or tribulation as, as Job went through as one example. But we all have to endure for the glory of God. We have to run with a perseverance. We have to keep our eyes upon the Lord. We have to run the race well by looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And whatever it is, whatever course of life God has given us, let's run it with purpose and let's run it well with all that we have disciplined and temperate within the rules, avoiding sin without the weights, and running with endurance, with patience, with perseverance for God's honor and for God's glory. And we will, with, with God's, in God's time and according to God's will, we will reach the other side. In this life, the trials, the tribulations, the sufferings, the difficulties, they will seem very small and insignificant when we're in heaven. But will there be the gold, silver, and precious stones that we have laid up in heaven? Or will it be the wood, hay, and stubble that gets burned away at the, the judgment seat? What will we have to give back to the Lord in worship and in praise for his honor and for his glory? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this passage and for Paul's teaching and example. Thank you for these testimonies we heard tonight. Thank you for our church family. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ, who died in our place and rose again. Help us, Lord, to run the race that you've given to us, run with patience, run with faithfulness, run without the weights and the sins. Help us to run ultimately for your honor and for your glory and be found faithful and hear those words one day in heaven from you, from your very mouth and voice. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. May we have many riches to lay at your feet, gold, silver, and precious stones to give give back to you in praise and honor and glory of your name. And Lord, help us to be faithful in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Derek's going to come and lead us in a closing song. We're actually going to turn to 501. God leads us along. 501. If you'll stand and find 501.